Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor Thomas, Christiana Reed, and Jessica Miller, your three hosts. We're so excited to have you guys with us today. And today we're going to be talking about shame versus guilt. Guys, I'm going to be pulling a lot from Brene Brown again. I actually did a training of hers about shame. So I'm going to pull a lot from that training because I've used it countless times in my therapy sessions since I did that training, and it's just gold. Let's start by just identifying the difference between shame and a few other emotions, primarily guilt, but we'll also talk about humiliation and embarrassment. Brene Brown defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. We've all felt this at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of us are spared. And it really is just a matter of being able to work on it so that you don't immediately shift to shame when something goes wrong. The difference between shame and guilt is if we feel bad about our behavior or actions, that's guilt. If we feel we're actually a bad person, that's shame. I'm going to use an example from my own life when I was in graduate school with these lovely ladies here. You guys will know what I'm talking about. What class were we in where things just really went poorly for me? Marriage and family studies. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I think it was the marriage class. Shout out to my dear husband. I (laughs) did learn some things and our marriage will be fine. But I did fail a test. We went in to take a test and it was the weirdest thing. I got the first half of the test all correct and the last half of the test completely wrong. (laughs) So it was very shame inducing for me because I was that very type A personality in school. Good grades, worked really hard, studied a lot, took copious notes and I failed a test. So if we look at that example, the shame feeling would be, I just failed a test. What am I doing with my life? I'm a bad person and I'm a failure, which full disclosure, I did feel some of those things that day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Guilt would have felt more like, oh, I should have studied more, probably should have gone home earlier, not stayed out all night, just raging at that (laughs) vanilla ice concert. I would have done so much better. Yeah, that's definitely where you were Uh the night before. Yeah. So the way that I learned to differentiate shame and guilt in my own body and my own life was by realizing what action came after the feeling. So I realized that if I was feeling shame, my action would be to push it onto someone else, get defensive, angry, or do something secretive to make myself feel better, like eat a half gallon of ice cream. Whereas guilt motivates me to do something different in the future so that I don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. 
And even though I still do make those same mistakes, I forgive myself and I can move on. So you really can look at and say, okay, I have this feeling. They both feel hard and rough to experience, but if you move to more positive action, that's guilt. If you're moving to more negative action, that's shame. And that's what you want to avoid. And I think the thing that she was saying that made a lot of sense to me, or that I think is a good point, is the fact that that shame is you're like you're feeling bad, but also guilt is you're feeling bad. So it's not bad. It's not bad to feel bad. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you're going mm-hmm. to feel, because I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to feel shame. I'm not going to feel bad. But I mean, with guilt, that's part of that principle is you have to feel something like Jessica said, hard is hard to deal mm-hmm. with because that motivates us then to move through it and change and do something different. Because if we didn't feel that hard feeling, then we wouldn't learn and not want to do that again. Right. So I think that's a, yeah. a an interesting point to make is that it's okay to feel the hard stuff. Like that's okay. Yeah, for sure. But just try and move through it rather than getting stuck. And something that I've noticed with my teenagers is they're learning about shame and guilt. And so they're really excited to use this, but they'll turn it on their parents in this wrong way where they'll be like, you're shaming me right now. (laughs) And really the parent is parenting and the child is feeling bad. So they're interpreting it as you're shaming me instead of realizing that guilt doesn't feel great. It's not great to acknowledge that, I failed a test. We want to move on to further action. Whereas shame would be the parent demeaning and putting them down. But the parent saying, hey, it's not acceptable for you to have an F in this class. That's just parenting. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. So parents, you really do have to be careful to walk this line between shame and guilt with your kids. But don't be afraid to bring up hard things with them just because they're going to be uncomfortable. Because that's just part of life. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. I also wanted to highlight the difference between shame and humiliation and shame and embarrassment, just because I think it's important to understand those emotions as well. Humiliations when we feel like we don't deserve to be in a situation and shame is when we feel we deserve it. Like the test example, if I was feeling shame With that, I'd be saying, oh, everybody's talking about how badly I failed that test and they're right. I totally deserve that. But humiliation would be different in that it would be, wow, everybody's talking about me and that's unfair. Like, haven't any of them ever made a mistake? So humiliation is not totally kind of accepting the whole weight of that and everybody's response to it. And then shame versus embarrassment. So embarrassments when we're able to find some humor in the situation and the feeling can be kind of fleeting and it's easy to talk about. But when we're feeling shame, it's super hard to talk about and we cannot find humor in it. With that example I gave earlier, it'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm mortified. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. It's not funny. That would be me feeling shame about it. Embarrassed would be, oh, wow, I am mortified and I am going to talk about this and laugh about this and laugh about how I was at that freaking Vanilla Ice concert (laughs) and I didn't listen to anything in the class all week because I was so hyped and I failed. And so I'm just going to... Understandably so. Yeah, I'm just going to be a little embarrassed and laugh it off and move on. Really, we want to focus mostly on shame and guilt, but I think it's important to understand those two things too. So when you are feeling embarrassed, you can recognize, oh, 
like this is an uncomfortable feeling, but I'm moving through it. Mm-hmm. And it's never yeah. nice to feel humiliated, but it is different than feeling shame about something. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that shame is when you take it in, you take it personally, and you feel like it's saying something about you versus humiliation or embarrassment. You're able to disconnect it from your core being and you can realize that maybe it's not about me as a person. It's just about the situation. Right. And you'll see that with kids who are bullied. If I'm taking it in and I'm feeling shame about it, that's going to be a huge difficult thing for me to handle. Versus humiliation is when I come home and I say, oh, this person said this to me. And my mom can join with me and be like, that's so not true. Wow, that's really hard for you to have gone through. Then I'm going to be like, yeah, that was humiliating. It was still hard to go through, but I can then realize it doesn't have anything to do with me as a person. And then hopefully eventually you can laugh about something around that situation. So Brene Brown talks about three ways that we react to shame and she calls them shame shields, which means how we shield ourselves from shame. So the first one is move away. So that's when we kind of disappear into ourself. We avoid contact with other people. We isolate. We just hide away. So that would be kind of the example Jessica mentioned earlier about maybe hiding away and eating the, you know, tub of ice cream, which, you know, in and of itself, eating ice cream and a tub of it may not be the worst thing, but it's kind of what's going on within yourself while you're eating it, right? Mm -hmm. Are you just kind of fixated, stewing, you know, in your mind, just repeating in circles how you're a bad person, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second one is move towards. So this is the one I'm more inclined to do, I think, is where we just try to avoid the feeling of shame by people pleasing. Maybe we're feeling shame because of an interaction we had with a coworker or something, and it kind of makes us feel feel bad and like we're a bad person. So we go, you know, try to seek that validation from them or buddy up to them or maybe lie and make them think we didn't do something that we had done. It's just kind of trying to please them, get them to like us, get them on our side. Yeah. I think about that with my kids, if that's not too odd. It's like, if I feel like I'm feeling some shame for not being a good mom for some reason, then I'll like try to people please my kids. I'll be like, hey, I feel, yeah, I'm like, I feel really crappy for the way that I treated you. And I feel like a bad person. So I'm like, hey, you want this? Like, come over here. Come be on my side. Like, validate me, kids, you know? Exactly. And then the third one is move against. We try to combat that feeling of shame that we're experiencing by creating shame and pain within the other person. This actually reminds me of a great conversation that I had with a friend of ours. And she gave me permission to use this story. Uh, She was talking about how she was at work and she has this coworker that always just says things that kind of bring my friend shame. Like whatever situation they're in or conversation they're in, it kind of always ends up with my friend feeling bad. And so she told this story about how she went into the break room and that coworker was in there and she said, oh, I need to get my pump because, you know, I'm still breastfeeding from just having a baby. And my friend said, oh, that's so great that you're breastfeeding. Like I, you know, wasn't able to breastfeed for that long. Like that's awesome that you can do that. And the lady just said something like, 
oh yeah, it's just, you know, more cost effective and it's healthier for my kids. And then left the break room. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> and my friend just felt that like mom shame, you know, <laughs> of, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm a bad mom for not, you know, breastfeeding my kids. I and didn't so, choose the healthiest option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she admitted that she, you know, went around to other coworkers and friends. And that's how I know this story and just kind of gossiped about this situation. Like she said that she kind of turned towards that, you know, more of that aggression, like trying to create shame or pain for the other person mm -hmm. and, you know, making herself feel better and more validated. And I just think, you know, it's a super innocent thing. Like I think that is a story probably many of us have in different ways in our daily lives. Like yeah. we feel that kind of dig from somebody and it's, okay, am I going to isolate as a result of that? Or I'm or I'm trying to people please, or I'm being passive aggressive to just try to block and shield ourselves from that feeling of shame because it's such an awful feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we want to kind of take away from all of that stuff is that we're not going to react the same each time to shame. Like it's always mm -hmm. going to kind of depend on the situation and who else is involved. But if we understand this about ourselves and this concept, then we'll be able to see it for what it is. We'll mm -hmm. be able to say, oh, I, I'm, that's a shame shield. I'm feeling some shame right now. I've got to work on mm -hmm. that. I've got to really figure that out. Yeah, this makes me think about marriage and shame in marriage and how we're communicating. And um, John Gottman wrote a book. It's called The Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. I read it like over a decade ago when... Uh, Logan and I were engaged and I love that book but something that it talks about are the principles of criticism versus contempt and so that's how you're talking to your partner how you're acting and so um, he says that criticism is okay which I know that feels kind of unnatural to us we're like you shouldn't criticize anyone but he says criticism is okay but but um, contempt is not and so an example that he gives of that as a criticism would be something like hey I felt pretty disappointed when I came home and the dishes weren't done because you said you were going to do them. Um, so it would be a criticism like, hey, like I felt this way because the dishes weren't done. And that's how it kind of went down. And then a contempt would be like, I came home and the dishes were not done. You are so lazy. How is it that you are this lazy? And so when you think about those two things, they're they're communicating this. The person is trying to communicate the same thing. But when you are communicating in a way of contempt, that's shame based. So I'm not just disappointed that the dishes weren't done. I think that you are a lazy person. So I'm I'm attaching that behavior onto your character, like who you are as a person. And that can be really, really harmful to a marriage. And so we're talking about shame and how to defend against shame and how to, you know, push our behaviors into healthier ways and not feel badly about ourselves. But it's also really important to recognize how you are putting shame on other people. And in marriage, it's like really easy to shame each other because we're mm -hmm. so invested in the relationship. We're so invested. And sometimes it's it's hard. Marriage can be hard when you know, Logan will do something that hurts my feelings, whatever it is. And then you have this thought. It's not even a conscious thought, but it's like, I want you to hurt like I'm hurting. 
And that's that shame shield that KJ was talking about. It's we try to combat that feeling of shame we're experiencing and create the same shame and pain within the other person. And so we find that a lot in marriage. So if, if you're just recognizing the way that you're communicating things to each other, communicate the behavior. Don't communicate how you think that behavior is making that person's character change. Like you're lazy, you're not dependable, you're dishonest, you're rude. Like all of those things are contempt. So it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this happens a lot in my marriage. I grew up with very strong shame shields. I would do everything to protect myself from shame, which generally meant I people pleased a lot, which was great because then I did well in life. Mm -hmm. But when I grew into an adult and had these really close like roommate relationships and friends and then eventually a spouse, I started to push my shame out onto them. And that really is something that I've had to realize is just so unfair. And I can tell I feel I'm really good at recognizing the feeling of shame. It is hot. It makes my heart beat fast. It makes me feel queasy and I don't like it. And then I can tell that I'm going to push it onto Elliot because my brain will start thinking about things that bother me, but aren't that big of a deal. And I'll think, how can I make him feel awful about this? Mm -hmm. And then I'll say something like, how dare you turn into, so like, you know, in Utah, we have suicide lanes. Yes. which is like that lane in the middle of the road. Not all states have them apparently, but I will get so angry and be like, you didn't pull into the suicide lane, right? And you're putting our lives in danger and you're irresponsible. And then Elliot's like, it's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> but it's because I'm reacting to something else that triggered me earlier mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with the suicide lane because it's really not that big of a deal, but I will push all of that anger onto him, which is unfair. And I liked that in Brene Brown, she talks about having these conversations in her mind beforehand and saying, what is my intent in saying this? Mm -hmm. And so slowing down that reaction with that shame and saying, okay, I'm feeling shame. I know I'm feeling shame. I want to talk about the suicide lane thing, but is there a real reason that I'm talking about that? Or am I just trying to push my shame onto him? Yeah. And so now a lot of times I can just, I realize I just have to zip my lips completely because no matter what I say, it has this like poisonous tone to it. Mm -hmm. Like the shame just seeps out. And so I just try and be quiet until I can breathe through the shame. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's the biggest way to let go of the shame is just sit with it. And then like all those other emotions, it will lessen and it will leave and I can make a better choice. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, five minutes later, I'm like, who cares about the suicide lane? It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea of having that conversation in your mind because sometimes some marital couples, what they'll do is if they're not wanting to feel that shame, they'll feel like communicating and over-processing it with the other person is necessary. But then if you're not taking that time to stop and having your internal conversation and recognizing your intention, when you start processing that out loud... And you don't really figure out what your intention is beforehand. That's when you start to go into those lines of contempt. And that's when you want to make that person feel hurt. And then that's when it's kind of hard to get yourself out of that cycle with that person. Yeah. So let's talk about how we get out of that shame cycle. And I like what Jessica said about recognizing shame for what it is. And it sounds like she's really learned how to tune into her body. And that's 
a really good thing to do because your body's going to tell you when you're feeling shame. We all know what that feels like for ourselves. Maybe, like Jessica said, she gets really hot, kind of sweaty, her heart's racing, she feels kind of nauseous. It it has a physical effect on you. You can recognize it's coming on, and then when you start having the thoughts, you can notice them, don't judge them, but just kind of work through them. And the really interesting thing about shame is that it cannot survive when there's empathy. If you're sharing your shame and you're receiving empathy, you're taking away shame's power. Processing with somebody, having someone hear your feelings, and them showing you empathy is the best way to just get rid of that feeling. Shame cannot survive if you talk about it. That is why I talk so much about this concept with my clients because talking about our shame is so hard. It's seriously one of the most vulnerable things we can do. But if we do it, it's not going to stay inside of us. If you're feeling shame, it's a natural thing to feel. We want to be able to shift that into feeling more of guilt and embarrassment and humiliation than we do shame, but shame is still going to happen. And when it does, talk about it. Maybe you're not around somebody that you can really be that vulnerable with, so maybe you journal about it and you move through it. What you can also do is separate your shame from yourself. And so I heard this really great story about um, this little girl and she was having a lot of really hard thoughts, just kind of bad thoughts that were kind of plaguing her. And so she went to her therapist and her therapist was like, okay, like, why don't you draw your thoughts? Like, what does that look like? And so the little girl drew this um, image and it was like this dark, ominous picture or whatever, this kind of monster. And then her therapist was like, what's its name? And she was like, that's Spike. And so this little girl was, I mean, incredibly intuitive and self-aware, but she identified that those thoughts were other than herself. They were different and separate. So when she was having those thoughts, it wasn't like, oh, I can't get rid of these thoughts. What's wrong with me? Like, I'm so bad. Like, there's something wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm broken. She was saying, that's Spike. Like, that is Spike. And I'm not going to let Spike make me behave this way. Or I'm not going to let Spike make me feel this way. I'm going to choose something else. So Logan and I have chosen what our names are. And so I always encourage clients to choose like a name that they kind of have like a negative association with. And so I've chosen my name. But when it when it comes up, I'm like, oh, that's Sally. You know, that is Sally. And that is not me. Like, I'm not a bad person. I'm having these thoughts, but I can separate that from myself. And I can process Sally and I can, you know, work through that. But that's not me. That doesn't have to be me. And so you can also try that if that is, you know, an intervention that you feel like works for you and jives with your energy. It's just kind of like separating that from yourself so you can move through it. All right. So some takeaways for today. I would say first, recognize how shame feels to you in your body and recognize what your shields are. Mm-hmm. Identify mm-hmm. those things first and how you project that onto the world around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then really just start feeling it and sitting in that feeling without using that shame shield. Be very vulnerable, just sit in the feeling, and then start using some of these positive skills that we're talking about, like finding empathy, finding someone you trust to talk to, 
And like Taylor said, realizing that that shame is separate from you and can be managed. It doesn't mean that you're bad. Yeah. Right. And some things that go along with that, I think to help you be more resilient to shame, shame thrives in fear and disconnection from people and blaming other people. So if you Mm -hmm. can move yourself towards empathy by, you know, doing something courageous or having compassion for somebody else or trying to connect with somebody else, that's going to make you be more resilient to your shame. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go back in time, listen yes. to our vulnerability episode uh-huh. <laughs> again, remind yourself of ways to be vulnerable, and that's going to be your best actual shield against shame for mm-hmm. like a true, that's going to make you feel better. All right. And before we end, we had some people write in and ask us questions to our email. And so we just wanted to take some time and answer one of those questions for you. So Jessica... Uh, let's have you do that. Okay, guys. So we've gotten some questions about what the disorganized attachment style looks like because we didn't really go into that in that first episode. So we're just going to do a quick little overview of what that looks like in real life. So a disorganized kid is a kid who's experienced major trauma in their life. And so they will swing wildly between anxious behaviors, avoidant behaviors, and then really aggressive, mean behaviors. The best example that I have is I used to work in a treatment center with kids who had difficulties. And uh, one day I had a kid throw a cash register at my face and it gave me a bloody nose. And he was very disorganized. So that's a good example for you. And so that disorganized style is where that kid, their moods are unpredictable. Their behaviors are unpredictable. And really, you're going to treat it the same way. You're going to try and attach and connect to that child. But you will find that you have to do a lot of work on yourself to be able to attach. Because Mm -hmm. when someone throws a cash register at your face, you want to flip out on them, especially if it's (laughs) your child. And so you're like, oh, my gosh. But you have to calm it down and realize that child is still just asking for their needs to be met. But they learned because of their major trauma that this is how they get their needs met, right? Mm -hmm. The bigger my tantrum can be, the more likely you are to pay attention to me. And I don't trust you anyway. So I'm not going to feel bad when I throw that cash register. So you're not going to see remorse and things like that. And that's going to be hard for you as an adult. But that's just part of the process. And so really that's where you get into that cycle of abuse where someone will become abusive because they were abused. Mm-hmm. And so that's where really intervening early is important. Yeah, that was wonderful. So we would like to keep doing this through all of our episodes. At the end, we want to read a review or we want to answer any questions that you guys send to us. So please contact us through our email like with this episode if you guys have any questions or any clarifications that you need about shame and guilt or maybe specific experiences that you've had. We'd love to hear about them and help you out in any way that we can. And now I have a ballad to sign us off. Perfect. <laughs> uh. Yo, mm. Let's kick it. Uh. 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 This is we're way better than studying. I know. Right? You can't see us right now, but we're all jamming. We're hardcore. <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
All right, JK, goodbye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor Thomas, Jessica Miller. (laughs) There was a vanilla ice concert. Did we go to that together? I did go to one. Oh, I was there. And I touched him and MC Hammer. Can't touch this. That's a challenge that I accepted. But you did. Dope. Hola. Hola, 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 h